0: Ready?
1: Hello, and welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, a video game music podcast. <laughs> wow, I got a little hype. You got ecstatic. Yeah, up there, yeah. This is episode 35-1, and we're your hosts. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pranav. Wow, every week we listen to great video game music from all consoles and all generations. We you become, were surprised I said my name. I guess I was. <laughs> I'm glad you caught that. <laughs> when, when when you know someone for as long as we have known each other, you pick up every subtle. I do little thing. Yeah. we're very observant of each other,
2: which is weird because I'm not like that with most other people. No, you shouldn't be. <laughs> like, <laughs> I thought you shouldn't like, be, but like, like hey, it like, makes sense. Like honestly, like if if he or his or his wife were mad at me for something or something seems off, I'm like something's off. Yeah, you know. it I gotta ask. I gotta confirm the. No off-ness. one, no one says
1: anything. You just look at them, and they're like. Oh sh- oh oh snap! Oh snap. something something's not kosher. <laughs> something's, up. something's rotten in Denmark. Um, but anyway, this is um, episode thirty-five one. This is the, the the beginning of our new world. Thirty-five swimming,
2: just keep swimming. Yeah, this is this is the water world. It could be. This is water world. Nice. Who starred in Water World? Was it? Wasn't? I was gonna say keeper or something. Costner. Bum. It was Kevin Costner. Yeah, it was Costner, right? Yeah, free. Frig- I don't even know, but let's just go with yes because I don't want to have to look it up to find well, out because I'll be sucked to in. To
1: kick off World Thirty Five Water World Thirty Five One, we no, have Thirty Five Dash One.
2: Got you. Just testing. Are oh, you just
1: testing me? Testing the waters. Yes, right. we have. <laughs> we don't have Kevin Costner. Uh, we, we he was coming on the show. We fired Kevin Costner so that we can bring you. We have
2: his. We have his East Coast equivalent. <laughs> East
1: Coast equivalent. Here comes his stunt double, Chris Baines. Thank you so much. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Appreciate wow. it. Thank nice. you for being Kevin question.
2: Costner's stunt double. Thanks for matching hey, Kevin mic.
3: Costner B. <laughs> <laughs> Angry old man B. <laughs> <laughs> That's <what they> <laughs> I have a question for you, Rob. Yes. Yeah, I'm listening. You've done that intro <laughs> so many times. Yeah. <laughs> do you read from a script, no. or do you just say it off the top of your head?
1: I'd it off the top of my head. There's been a couple times where I'm like, I lose it. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking and about. And it's
2: funny. like It becomes routine, because like there's been times I'm like, Rob, you forgot the thing. Yeah, you do. yeah, He's yeah. Like, what? The thing? I feel like if I...
1: I don't, nothing on this show is fully scripted except for the tracks and the games, so... And even then, like Pernell throws in like whatever. I can't marry all the time. And so, I feel like that way the show grows like organically outwards. So, <laughs> so it sounds That's familiar, awesome. but it's different than what it was like four years ago.
3: <laughs> I was always curious because I'm just like you know I, you've been doing this for how many years now, and seven. I was. just
1: I feel like I, I finally got a good opening in my brain that like describes what the show is. So if someone discovers the show and they turn it on, they're like got it. I don't want this. Hey, <laughs> or hey. got it. I do want this, you know. Um so, Chris, you have been doing these incredible like like documentary style like history of of retro game videos on YouTube that I've been really really enjoying. Can you um just like what the last one you worked on? Can you give give a little inf- information about that to our listeners?
3: Sure, sure. Yeah, I've been doing a retro inspired. Well, I guess retro themed video game documentaries for the last two years. I just hit two year my two year anniversary uh, a week ago, which has been pretty cool. Awesome. Uh, But I've been covering a lot of different series from like Ghosts and Goblins, to Bionic Commando, uh, Ace Attorney, Gradius, all those different things. And I pretty much just kind of start from the very beginning of where the series like, you know, kind of its roots and how it kind of was formed. And it's like initial concepts all the way up to where it is in modern day and just kind of give you the history of each title and kind of like where they got their concepts for. And, you know, how everything kind of connects together in this big kind of like historical uh, timeline from, you know, point A to point B. So uh, I've been doing that for a while and it's been a lot of work and a lot of fun. And I've learned a a bit and uh, met a lot
1: of great people along the way. I got to say, I've learned a lot watching the videos. the The last one uh, that's out as of of, of we're talking, we're recording this episode is the Bionic Commando episode you did. And there's so much, like I had no idea the connections between like the the Super Joe name and Commando. Like I, I kind of knew about it, but I never really dived into it before. And I played the the original Bionic Commando in, in the arcade probably when I was like six years old at like a Pizza Hut <laughs> when I was a kid. Wow but like I played it again on the Capcom collection on the PS4 and I was like, wow, this is very different from the Nintendo. And it's really neat to like see historically how, where it was started and then where it kind of went off to um, in your video. I was I was really interested in that. It was, it was really yeah, fun. I didn't, I
3: didn't realize just how much of a Western influence it had. Like I knew that there was like a lot of like Western roots there like, as it kind of like evolved. But I had no idea just how much the Western marketing, like, kind of pivoted the entire series um, throughout the years. It was just kind of really, really interesting. I, I was That's kind of
2: where I was too on that yeah. too. But at the same time, it was interesting that uh, so when the when your video came out, I immediately wanted to get to the point where you talk about Elite Forces. Mm Because I remember when that game first came out, for those who don't know what I'm talking about, that was the Game Boy Color Bonnet Commando. Mm -hmm. And it came out after a pretty long hiatus on Bonnet Commando games. Yeah, it was a number of years. But even back then, as young as I was, I still thought something was off because there was like a different name attached to the game. It didn't have like Capcom or anything on it. And I didn't know anything about it back then because there was no video game historian or anything. It was just Nintendo saying, we got a new Bonnet Commando, kids. Um, so I was like, I wonder if Chris is going to cover that. And you did. And it was very interesting yeah. as to what happened with that game and why it was, you know, I was different.
3: I was really upset about that one because it's the, it's one of the few games I've covered over the last two years that was developed with an English speaking, uh, dev team. Mm-hmm. And I reached out to like almost every single person on the team to like kind of get some more information and almost nobody got back to me. I had one of the artists uh-huh. get back to me, and he was just—he really didn't seem like he wanted to like talk with me, and he didn't really know too much about the project. Um, but uh, it was like kind of, uh, you know,
2: just—he basically gave me you enough it. to go away, so he wasn't very responsive. Wow, that, that's a
1: shame. I mean, yeah, especially and, the, it just seems like yeah,
3: I don't exactly. know if like, these people just get bothered all the time, but
2: you know what makes me think about, to be perfectly honest, I could be wrong because I'm clearly talking out of my butt, but. I feel like some people that develop games or work on games They do it as... It's their job, but it's also a labor of love. Like, I like what I'm doing. I'm really into it. But then you also get folks who are just like, this is a meal ticket. They're telling us to make this game. I got a task, animate these sprites, get it done. I'm done with it. Like, Yeah, it's it's, it's the job. It's the job. It's the job. So I can picture you being like, hey, can you talk about Bonnie Commando? And the guy's like, oh, that freaking game, I don't care about that
1: Well, in the 90s, yeah, I mean, for a lot of these companies, especially like if you're working with Konami or, or whatever, it is the job. You know, like... It was their first game too. It was their first one. That
2: company's wow. first game.
3: Wow! It was their first game. It was a. It was a. I believe I don't know if it was Nintendo's first Western, um, Western team because they're they're based in uh in Washington, so uh so they're if I remember not like
2: correctly. It was it was it related in some way to Digipen?
3: Yeah, it's uh there. It's an, a partnership between Digipen uh, okay. University okay. and uh, Nintendo of America. And they did so they did a lot of games. Um they did yeah. Bionic Commander first. They did I believe Ridge Racer 64, uh the Crystalis port, uh Pokemon Puzzle League, the Mario versus Donkey Kong series. So well, they they've done a it lot.
2: That last yeah. one. For Crystallis, I want to cry. <laughs> but maybe but it's but, so
3: crazy that like you know that they took like these third party um hmm. franchises right off the bat like Ridge Racer, uh Bina Commando, and Crystalis. Like those are their like early is early games that yeah, they worked the, on. Yeah, and the
1: music on the Ridge Racer 64 was different from every other one in the series, but like it was still like really 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 good. But at the same time nice. the problem
2: was Crystallis. it was different music but it wasn't wasn't it was oh. good. Oh. And that's <laughs> so, why I'm, uh, what happened here. So one
1: of the last things I want to say about Bionic Commando is I, I kept hoping like towards the end you you kind of get into like oh like where else have we seen these characters in the franchise, but um, I forget the the guy's name. From the 3D one, who's got like the the dreadlock type looking hair. Spencer? Spencer, yeah, yeah, Spencer. Oh, they're all yeah. the same guy. Oh, okay. I keep forgetting his name. I don't know. Rad
3: Spencer. Super Brad. Joe is different. Super Joe's in the first game, but oh, Nathan he's the Ray one who gets captured,
1: he? and they go to find Super Joe. Um, yeah. Anyway, he's uh. So Spencer was in uh, Marvel Capcom 3, and he was he was loved in Marvel Capcom 3. Real like, loved. Yeah. He's still loved. He's still loved. But like there was um there was an Evo. One EVA, I think it was like 2008 or 2009, um, a top player combo fiend used him, and it was like... It was, like, one of the best matches in the finals ever. It was I hope so one of his fun. moves he could just, like, fire his
2: claw into some random place and pull a drum back and just beats well, a guy with it. Well, I mean, that, that's a normal move of his, actually. Oh, he does But, do like, but one of
1: his super moves is that, like, he grabs him, and, like, he has, like, a giant arm punch. And, like, his giant robotic arm takes up, like, half the screen. But it had, like, some kind of invincibility because it was a grapple move. So he kept pulling people out of supers, and people were freaking out. It was so much fun. <laughs>
2: because it's for amazing. the crap Mar- Marvel watch.
1: Capcom 3 was like a big hype game for its time yeah. I, it's really sad it's so that good. franchise is gone well you have infinite well I mean yeah it's <laughs> I'm not, joking that's just never felt the same again I really wanted to, to like that one but there's a lot of. Street I think it'll come back like. yeah, I, think
3: I, I think it'll come back one day I think it's gonna they're gonna let it rest again and they'll, they'll revitalize it one <sighs> of these days
1: and right now what we're all hoping for is just Marvel Capcom 2 to be ported anywhere where we can just play it like again on a modern modern console because you just can't get it anymore. I can't um, believe that it. it hasn't
3: yeah it hasn't come out.
1: Yeah, it was on it was on the three hundred and sixty. It was a great port on the three hundred and sixty, and then that was the last time. That was the last time we saw it.
3: And the first one hasn't been ported either, has it? I don't think so.
1: That that one I see every once in a while, like on those little arcade one up machines, like in places. Um, yeah, and, yeah, that was yeah. the, and I played that a lot when it first came out, but I never really got into it like as much as the second one, though. It was it's more into
3: the first one than the second one. Yeah, yeah. It was, I still f- love both of them.
1: I did too. It was like, wow, I get to play like Ryu against Mega Man, like that's cool. <laughs> and, yeah. And then the second I'm one mean. came out, and I was like, no, this is what I'm doing for the rest of my life. This is <laughs> this is <Forever>. my game. <laughs> oh, okay. so many characters! So many characters. So so many Ryu sprites. Bionic! Oh my god artwork in that game i'm not gay anyway that's that's an episode for another time this is uh so you know related to bionic commando related to marvel versus capcom those are difficult games these are very hard games the arcade version of bionic commando especially very very difficult and so this episode is all about games that are very hard and why we and for me why we still love them anyway
2: I know I love them. Yeah, that's, I'm a I'm a crazy crazy man. Um,
1: so. Chris, how do you where where do you stand on on difficulty in games and, and, and what does that mean to you? I
3: adore I adore difficult games, uh, which is like why I was so uh, so happy that that we went with this topic, just because I think that nowadays there's something kind of lost in a lot of modern games where they don't really. They don't reward you for kind of like taking the time to like you know learn the mechanics and you know overcoming these obstacles it's just like pay like here's pay pay like 5 bucks to get past this thing or here's like here's the super booster thing that gives you extra experience or yeah, yeah. here's like the super like invincibility code you get if you like pay like 10 bucks and buy the the DLC pack like I think that there's something lost, and not that's not to say that like there's not games out there that, that you know there aren't are difficult, mm-hmm. and, and like like the Dark the Soul series is a great example, obviously. Um, but I think that so many games nowadays just they don't give you time, they don't push you to like learn the game and get better mm-hmm. at it through trial and error. It's now it's just like. If, oh we don't want them to walk away and play something else so let's make sure that they can do this um easily no matter what like
2: but it's also i feel like there's a little bit of a little bit of that there's also this general concept of like they want people to just want to be able to blitz a game so they can move on to buy the next game well there's a and bit also, of that yeah and then like the Fair- last thing is just i've noticed in the community as well depending on who you talk to and i, I i'll never understand it but i give it to people because pe- everybody thinks about things differently you know I accept that but people will say they don't want to work when they play a game. They want to just have <laughs> fun. And I'm sitting there thinking, but the work in the game is the fun. Right. But well, from the player perspective, I think I,
1: I get that. I feel that way sometimes. Um, sometimes, rarely. <laughs> but from a developer's perspective, from a from a from a game from a game creator's perspective, sometimes like the idea is they want the narrative to be the focus and not the gameplay. So they get the gameplay kind of out of the way where it's not as complicated or maybe they walk you through it and so it's like very like we're handing it to you. So it's more about the narrative. The funny thing is And there's so there's a lot of that style, but but you're right. Like I feel like with with the the just the amount of games that are available today, I feel like that's become almost like a game style that people kind of gravitate towards. And you're right now; it's like, oh, yeah, you know, spend five dollars to get more levels, like on your mobile game, mm-hmm. um, and like that's a whole other thing on its own. Um,
3: I, mean, I also think that you know that there, there's nothing wrong with having the games that are more narrative focused yeah, and easier. Yeah. Right? I don't. I, I, that's the thing. I'm not saying that like this every game should be hard and difficult and just like you know like the old Ghost and Goblins games or, or, or something like that. Mm. I, I think that there's a a a a space for everything to coexist together. Um, But I I do think that you often don't see mini games that won't hold your hand with like a myriad of tutorials and, you know, not giving you much information, letting you discover it yourself. I think that is a, a art that has been slowly leaving uh, the, the game industry over the past uh, yeah. decade or two
1: I talk, I've talked about I mentioned this before in other episodes and I talk about this a lot but there's a language to video games and especially in early days that language was like you could kind of like learning what the, what the game was and so as kids we understood the language was platforming we understood the language was like you know overhead shoot'em ups mm-hmm. and then eventually RPGs. But nowadays, the language of video games is very much like it's more cinematic, right? So like they're kind of walking you through and there's like cut scenes and there's people talking and you're kind of expected to interact with it as you would with a movie sometimes.
2: And that's why with games like that, it, I kind of am okay. That's a new language. Oh, but I'm kind of okay when yeah. games like that do that because I get the whole push to the next narrative bit. Yeah. Last of Us yeah. is like that, though you can put it on hard mode and say, well, <laughs> you're still going to suffer Honestly, a little. Playing but,
1: Horizon, playing Horizon, I, I'm terrible at that game where I'm like... The narrative sections are incredible. I'm really into the story and then I get way in over my head and there's no way I'm going to get past it. Oh my god, to
2: stop this
1: and So like Rex? the difficulty there for me becomes a roadblock, but that's just
2: my that's just my my challenge. But then I am yeah. not sure if that game has it, but a lot of games will straight up give you a story mode option. Oh, it does. almost. There's a sliding there's a slider that you can change throughout the game.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: So in that yeah, case like, like, I think that's cool. I I'm I'm, I, I'm one of those people that thinks that everyone, like the people that are like no easy mode, like, no, you can't have an easy, you know, like I think that that's it's OK. Like, like accessibility is a good thing. Very good. Oh, I sure. also think that it's, I also think that, like, you know, with, with the Souls developers uh, with, with FromSoft um, choosing not to include a difficulty level. I think that's fine, too. I think Absolutely. the developers Th- get to set the the tone for yeah. what experience they want to give people. And I think yes. the people that are complaining about that I don't agree with it at all
2: uh, but I, I think that like, it's
1: absolutely think, a valid choice because that is that is their language to their game right? their, their language is we want all yeah.
2: players to experience the same challenges yes how they overcome them is up to them but no one's going to go on and say well I just set it to easy and right. it's no you, problem for me.
1: And if you don't want to sp- like into them like the language of the game is the difficulty. It's like yes. um it's like Celeste. Mm-hmm. Like the like the the story of that game is around this difficulty. They gave like some options for more accessibility but it is still difficult. Mhm. Um,
2: if a guy, the yeah. way I got we always think about there's a guy out there that's playing all this games using only his chin and mm-hmm. succeeding and there is a guy that is. I follow him. In the game, that's Sean. Right. Yeah. That dude's He's awesome. awesome. Um, but if he can do it I'm not saying anyone, everyone has to, <laughs> but anyone can do it. But like, yeah. he puts in the work and it shows. There. Yeah, yeah. We should Definitely. get
1: into some music because we, we got some good talking points.
2: <laughs> <Why>? <laughs> to Rhythm and Pixels talk
1: show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So, uh, Chris, if you don't mind, we'd like to start with you. Would you want to pick your first original track?
3: Yes. Uh, this is... From Actraiser 2, the sequel that, I don't know about the adored sequel, but uh, the sequel to the, uh, I guess it's like a sim, an action sim game that first released on the Super NES. Um, the sequel was a straight up platformer. It completely ditched the sim elements to, uh, I know a lot of people weren't crazy about that, which is totally understandable, but the game is incredibly difficult. It is known for for being tough as nails. Uh, but the soundtrack by uh, Yuzo Koshiro is amazing. Like he did an incredible job for for the second game, just as as good as a job as he did on the amazing first game soundtrack.
1: All right, well let's have a listen. And this is uh
3: Industin, I believe is the name
1: of the track. Yeah, in Dustin. Here we go. Act Razor two. We're back. You're listening to the track In Dustin" from Act Razor 2 for the Super Nintendo composed by Yuso Koshiro Chris. This game I, now I've only ever played Act Razor 1, and I've only heard stories of Act Razor 2. The stories of people losing their mind <laughs> getting through this It's one. difficult. Yeah. I mean, Act Razor 1 isn't is not isn't easy, for sure. No, it's, it's a tough
3: game too. Two is a whole other step up, though, for sure. It's and it's a really it's a really, really cool system because it's, it's focused on flight. Like, that was the, the whole theme of the game. And if you watch somebody that really knows what they're doing play that game, it looks awesome. It looks so acrobatic. And watching, like, the the, the um, what's it, the master, I think that is what his name is in those games, uh, like, fly around and do these, like, sword dives and these crazy spells, like, back-to-back, back. it's really, really, really cool. But it's very difficult to get down.
2: Now I'm trying to remember. Does ActRaiser 2 still have the life sim elements, or did he can that for solely nothing but action?
3: Totally gone. Yeah, it's all platforming stages. You no, know, my fun.
1: question is: Is the platforming like the platforming in the first one? Because that was that was really floaty and weird.
3: It's 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 floaty for sure. It's definitely yeah. The first game is definitely very very bumpy. Yeah, bumpy. Uh, I still like it, but it's bumpy. Uh, from a, a little descriptor clunky.
1: for that, I think it's bumpy, bumpy or clunky. Bumpy. Yeah,
2: there's a question
1: for Not you. Clunky right? because like it's responsive, but
2: like it's it, you bump around. I guess two <laughs> bump, bump around, bump <laughs> around. Um, two questions <laughs> for you. Actually, did you one? Did you like the life sim elements in the first game?
3: Yeah, yeah. I love Racer
2: one. I love. Yeah, the sim I, I liked all. I, I did like that part a lot. Second.
1: I like that it broke up with the sections
2: between. Oh. The, okay, second yeah. question for both of you. Now I'm in this. Did either of you? Well, I know you're in it, but <laughs> he he picked the tracks, so I, you know. <laughs> Um, have either of you played Smelter yet? Oh. Smelter. Smelter. S M E L T. I remember hearing about that one. Because if you have it and so, you like Act Razor, you need to get on it. There was
3: another one that came out that was um I I did a whole video on Act Razor like, on the whole series. That's there was like another knew, like, game like, that
2: came them. out that was swearing up and down it was Act Razor. That one wasn't yeah. as good. That was called Soul Something. Um Soul Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh god, I can't but Smelter, and there's a good reason you can't remember. <laughs> Your brain is protecting you. Um, Touche. But Smelter is fantastic. They did add a patch later for people who hated the life sim part where you can just kind of skip over oh, that. Oh, really? It looks fascinating. Like, Oh, it's good. Yeah. It's really good. Like To me, the entire game is a gem. Um, but I don't think a lot of people played it, mm. and it makes me sad. But um, when I'm hearing people talk about Act Razor specifically, I have to straight up bring up Smelter because you need to play that game, and you will love it. I like the music in oh, it wow. so much; I bought the OST just to play it on the show. <laughs> um, it's it's good, man. You would like it, and if you do play it, you guys tell me what you think of it. But you'd have time for it too because it's not an incredibly long game either. You know, you should play it, it.
3: It's like pixel is like pixel graphics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like,
1: it's like yeah, it's like Super Nintendo like yeah, esque p- pixel graphics. It's. Yeah. Watching a play. When did it,
2: right it come out? It um, during one. COVID, so it was either 2021 or. It was 2021, I think. T- 2021. I'll check it out. I, I had not heard about this. Yes. Consider yourself cold. <laughs> you, you will enjoy it, I promise. <laughs> well, I can't imagine you disliking that game. But well, If you do, just tell me.
1: While I'm we're proud. here, we got to talk about this music from Koshiro. It is. This does feel like Act Razor 1 just kind of bumped up. Mm-hmm. Bumped up. But don't oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Very. It's amazing. Yeah, cinematic and it's it's dynamic too. There's a lot of um, sections that are they quiet down with the strings and then build back up with the. Uh,
2: I feel like it kind of carries sounds. that tempo level that just says I'm an angel, an angelic hero yes. on the on the move. <laughs> That's the vibe I get.
1: Yeah, and, and no percussion too. Just like the original sound. There's there's no there's no driving drums. There's no like even military drums. It's just like a oh,
2: because he's a one man army. <laughs> he's a one man army. Sure.
3: I can tell that he kind of, like, has the the samples from, like, the SNES sound chip down. Like, he's kind of got that. I think, like, he really has, like, mastered that. That's what you're kind of seeing with this soundtrack, or hearing, I suppose, with this soundtrack. Yeah, I think so.
1: All right, so we're going to move on to something uh, a, a bit different. We're going to move on to the arcade. Odd, odd episode. An odd episode? Odd. This is an odd episode! I, I was Say, thinking Chris, 10. there you go! This is what we did last week, actually. <laughs> actually, I skipped the song last week, too. That was my fault. Um, Pernell, you're next. <laughs> Man.
2: I, ah. I remember certain things, I swear. Keep me on track, Pernell Keep me on track. <laughs> so, this first yeah. track, I think I'm going to be the guy on this episode that kind of talks more about a lot of recent games because I brought up games that I'm playing fairly recently that are very difficult. <laughs> um, but let's start with this one, which has a spectacular OST that I am in love with. It is from the game Scourge Bringer, and the track title is called Frozen Keep, composed by Junus Turner. Welcome back. You're listening to Frozen Keep from the game Scourge Bringer, composed by Junus Turner. Uh Yeah, this track goes hard without, you know, without repercussion, without without concern for the ears of the listener. <laughs> yeah. It just wants you to know that you're in deep wow. doo-doo Is this indi- you're going to pay. Is this indicative
1: of the rest of the soundtrack?
2: Yeah. Wow. I want to say, like, the, the levels after the Frozen Keep get a little softer. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't tell you beyond stage three because I never got <laughs> past area three because this game is a monster.
3: But it's. That means the game's doing its job. <laughs> it's absolutely
2: doing its job. And I keep wanting to come back and play it. Like, time is the issue, but I still come back and play it every once in a while. Just like I said, it's like, I want to get that feeling again. Mm-hmm. Because this is one of those games where it's designed around this fast, frenetic, kinetic motion that makes you feel, I don't know, like almost like you're a parkour master while you play. <laughs> so it's a roguelite, which is very overly common these days, but the premise behind this is that you're a character who's running through this random labyrinth. I don't even know the story, so don't even ask. But you're running through this labyrinth from room to room, and when, and when you're running between rooms, the music is very quiet and light. Mm-hmm. But the moment you enter a room where there's enemies, you're locked in, the enemies pop up, and then it gets hard on you and immediately you are tasked with clearing them out, and the monsters are complete jerks. Um, The way you can fight is you have a gun, but it has very limited bullets. That's not the way you're meant to fight primarily. The way you're meant to actually fight is by using your sword to slash things to death. You can have a dash and like a double or triple jump and then a dash. Um, You can smack bullets back at guys, Mm But the overall idea is just put a, like kind of jump at a guy, dash, start slashing him, run away, jump off, dash right to the next guy. And you keep a constant chain of like beating the snot out of guys. Wow. If a bullet comes at you, smack the bullet back at the thing. And you're just, I can hardly, it's hard to even explain it. It's just, you're constantly moving from enemy to enemy, smacking bullets, beating the tar out of thing. and it's they're like a sports announcer. Thank for now. <laughs> oh, thank you. I got a to in the works. I think back at him. Then he hits it back. <laughs> <laughs> holds it! Holds it! <laughs> but holds like, it! Holds it! Uh, but, like, after you win, you know, you might get a reward for the room or wherever. and when you go to a shop to get new gear, you got to pay with your life. You have to spend health that's already hard to keep to upgrade yourself.
1: Oh, man. I love that the idea. The money is your blood. <laughs> I love that it's idea. Awesome.
2: It is such it's, a It's almost game. like you
1: got to be confident. In yourself to get it moving on absolutely right? yeah, yeah,
2: like yeah. okay i can i can make it one extra room and maybe get some health back into combat i'll buy this really cool charge attack and it's like well i almost never use my guns anyway because i'm supposed stab everything because i like dashing into enemies and like get wow. that and also makes a satisfying plonk sound it just and it's got to sound really good like to this style of music too right it's yeah. everything it for now. this game is the perfect package as long as you're okay with challenge, I recommend it to dang near anybody. <laughs> I recommend it to you because it's pretty much that yeah. Celeste parkour, except they slap hardcore combat on top of it. Yeah, it does
3: look
1: like my style.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. The
3: sounds, how yeah. this sounds good, Pernell?
1: It's so... Go...
2: Pew, 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 pew! Pew, pew, pew! Pew, pew, it's so good. I think you like this game. It's really good. Yeah. Like, I should have heard me out. when I was reviewing it. I was like, this game is a masterpiece. Everyone should own it. that like, good? Okay. I'm, 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 I'm intrigued. I mean, to put perspective on for people who don't listen to the other show, I review two to four games a week. So I can get pretty drowned out. i like, you know, this is a fun game. You know, I think people could like it. And then I get to what this game, I'm like, to? it's a masterpiece. It's so <laughs> good. What would you compare it to? Probably Celeste, and beyond that, Celeste, okay. I can't it think of Celeste. too much. I can't think of too much else like it.
1: Yeah, uh, it's a Celeste and Dead Cells, I've heard someone call it. Dead yeah, Cells. Cells. The thing is, like, Dead Cells,
2: yeah. I mean, for what little I've played of Dead Cells, you do have to get from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. It is challenging, but Dead Cells doesn't have that pacing to it. Mm-hmm. I can't think of too much that hits you like this does, where you're just constantly, maybe Gungeon, I don't know, but you have to be constantly on the move.
1: Yeah, no, gun- Gungeon gives you some breathing room.
2: There's always breathing room when and, you're like ducking behind tables and stuff. Yeah, and in between rooms, there's like a
1: lot of lot of breathing room.
2: Well, I mean, you get that here between rooms. I mean, like when the action's oh hot. oh yeah yeah
1: yeah. There's there's a lot of because there's, there's a lot of cover. You can always find cover, and like that's that's most of even like in later stages. Like that is gunjent. You need to find cover mm-hmm. and trust. You got to trust the cover. <laughs> trust in the cover because <laughs> that, that minute that you don't trust where you, where you're positioned, mm-hmm. like just like in any other shooter, especially bullet hell shooters. The minute you don't trust your judgment. It's when you get hit. ah uh-huh. Yeah. It's, True. It's, uh, oh, and
2: I also forgot to mention yeah. about this game. One of your tasks can actually dunk enemies, too. So, like, you might, like, say, I need to get a little bit of breathing room, quote-unquote. So, dunk. you might rub on a guy, slash, slash, like, 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 light, light, heavy. And when you hit him with the heavy, they'll send the guy flying in the direction you're facing. Oh. So, you can kind of, like, ping-pong him into something else. Oh, I like that. And then then his position will be somewhere new. Yes. Oh. So
1: good. Yeah, I want to try this one. It's, it's so
2: good. I'm curious. Sure like, yeah. Do it. Be, so buy that and smelter.
1: Yeah, once once I move my TV back, I got a new uh, stereo system too. I'm going to be hooking up to it. I'm really excited. So um, I'm going to maybe this one and smelter. Maybe, yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. We'll see about smelter for now. <laughs> um, okay, so my first track, as I was saying before, um, <laughs> uh, is, is, is an old school shooter. This is in the arcade. Arcade games, classically intentionally incredibly difficult. This is the original R-Type for the arcade, oh, composed yeah. by Masato Ishizaki, credited as Sclap. S-C-L-A-P. Man, this track's Scalaps! It's sclaps for sure. This is a Stage 6 Scramble Crossroad. listening to Scramble Crossroads Stage 6 from R-Type for the arcade composed by Masato Ishizaki and um, Stage 6 I have never seen in (laughs) 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 R-Type I think I got to 3, Stage 3 maybe Um, so this earlier this year we went, uh, Pranel and I went to uh, Retro World Expo in Connecticut and they had an original R-Type cabinet there and I played that I played that for way longer than I expected to play because it was really... like The graphics are really, really good. The sound is really, really good. And it is so freaking hard. You'll spend so long on stage one. It, yeah, it's... so good. It really it's is so memorization. A lot of it is memorization. You're, you move your ship really quickly. Um, you really just have to know what's coming. And then when it does come, like once you know what's coming, you can kind of appreciate the artwork a little bit more and the animation a little bit more. Um, so you really enjoy Art Type?
3: Oh, I love Art Type. It's it's definitely more of like a puzzle type shooter hmm. than than like more of an action base because a lot of times like there's like things that'll happen in the stage that are very scripted and you kind of have to like figure out where you need to be and positioned. Obviously, you're still dodging enemy fire and whatnot, but a lot of people will describe it as like a puzzle, like a classic puzzle shmup, um, because of just how kind of orchestrated the levels work. Um, for most of the games. But great, great music. R Tape is probably one of one of my favorite um Shmup series OSTs of all time. Super R Tape in particular is this,
2: Yeah. This track has one of those sounds that makes you kinda of bob your shoulders up and down.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was going through the whole soundtrack and I was like, Where are the songs I haven't heard yet? And
2: I was like, this
3: <laughs> this is pretty anime feels this this like... very anime, like eighties anime.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like um, that. And I also different. like that like the sound from the old like the old hardware. It's very like it's a little um it's a little crunchy, it's a little crunchy. Yeah. yeah, I like that. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, R-type side-scrolling shooter. Um, and you have like a like an option almost, like a greatest option that you can kind of like throw around behind you and in front force. of you. And a lot it's, of force. Yeah, and, and you use that to your advantage, I guess. Like I guess like a puzzle where you're kind of like you can use it to protect yourself against enemy fire. You can use it to, to, to throw at uh, bosses, and then you kind of keep firing while it's at the boss. So you have to, you have to really know ahead of time how you're going to be using the the one option that you have yeah
4: yeah yeah.
3: force is really cool because it's a risk reward system so when you shoot out your force the detriment is that you're very defenseless because it, it absorbs enemy fire so that's what's so ingenious about that entire system is like you know if you want to shoot it out there it'll kill enemies and like do damage on bosses but it also leaves you much more vulnerable to like yeah. on incoming enemy fire, which is a really, really cool concept.
1: Yeah, I like. That. I do do like that a lot. And these and these are like concepts and and styles of game that you really see forward in time since when the first R type came out. I want. I want to say this was eighty something when this one, the 87. first eighty-seven. Eighty-seven.
4: Eighty seven? Mm-hmm. Wow.
1: Wow, it's. I mean, like it doesn't. It looks. It, um, it not that that, that that looks like silly. it came out today, but it looks like it looks more like '90s style graphics. It's well, really, it makes really sense good to or, me because yeah. I
2: remember it was one of the one of the original hue card games on the turbografx 16. Mm.
1: Yeah, Art yeah. Type was incredibly. Um, I was abysmal popular. at it though.
2: So it's really. a hard game. <laughs> it's well, like, well, I'll put difficult. that game into the show. <laughs> terrible. Um, r Type
3: Two is even tougher, man. You think r Type One is rough? r Type Two is just Where'd you mean. think of
2: Art Type Final? By the way, I never got to play it.
3: I like R Type Final a lot. It's not the most like treasured series by most of the fan base, but I, I still think it's great. I think it's it's a lot of
1: fun. And then really they made well an R
2: Type Final too because it can't be truly final.
1: Yeah, R Type Final <laughs> Fantasy V <five>. So when <laughs> what, um, what was the one we played at your house that one time? It was like
2: really big like big wide screen. Was it a vertical or horizontal? Horizontal. horizontal. It was a horizontal? Yeah, it was horizontal. I thought you were talking about um um freaking Cavendish Burst or whatever. Like.
1: No, 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 not Caladrius. Not Caladrius. No, it was a super wide, super, super wide screen. And it was a schmuck. Yeah, on the PlayStation.
2: Now I'm trying to remember what the heck it was, because I remember Caladrius Burst playing it with you. Yeah.
1: that was Final, I, I, I think it was Final Two that we played together.
2: I don't have an R type at my house.
1: Okay, <laughs> we played something else then.
2: It's going to come to me, I'm sure, but <laughs> I don't know what it is.
1: <laughs> it was one of those, man. It was really, really I know wide had, screen. I have
2: Gradius 4. And Gradius three. Maybe it was a Gradius game, but I feel like we wouldn't have played that because I had that on PS two.
1: You know, I'm not going to waste any more time. I'm going to figure this out. <laughs> this is a mystery for my own, my own, my own thing. Your so, own edification. Yeah. You'll
2: solve it. Well, I'll figure it
1: out. Chris, we're back to you and your second trick track. Second
3: trick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my second track is from one of my favorite games of all time, Bloodborne amazing, amazing FromSoft game. It's kind of like lumped in with the Souls series but not technically a Souls game. Uh, And the track is Cleric Beast. And I cannot remember the composer, but uh, he's awesome. (laughs) To
2: be honest, a part of me even wonders what well, I'll talk about that when we come back. I don't want to hold this up. Let's go.
1: Cleric Beast from Bloodborne, composed by Sukasa Saito. And Thanks for the save. Yeah, I got you, man. And <laughs> <laughs> the I think back. you wrote it first. Um, yeah, this is chosen by Chris Baines. I just watched the. Uh, I never played Bloodborne, so I was watching the, the this boss fight on YouTube, and it is it is cool and bloody, very bloody. Bloodborne very bloody. is a gem of a
2: title. Bloodborne Chris already made bloody. that very well. Made that exclamation, but I just want to second it that I do very much enjoy Bloodborne and. I want to say, I wonder if you agree with me on this, Chris. But one thing I really liked about Bloodborne, aside from just the general atmosphere, was that it does—it's unlike the Souls games in that it drives a harder focus on being offensive and fast, as opposed to playing defensively. Like, there's a shield that you can get in the game. It's kind of given to you as a joke, even. Like, hey, are you yeah. going to use this thing? You should put it down because they ain't going to work. Wow. Um, but also you get that cane that turned into a chain whip, and yeah, freaking fantastic weaponry
3: it's great yeah it's a lot faster than the soul series and it definitely has a much bigger emphasis on um like staying aggressive um because as you take damage you start to lose health. it's kind of like marvelous capcom in a way rob and in a weird uh i guess a weird <laughs> comparison and that like when you're taking damage you you have two health bars you have like the one that's like kind of dropping and then you have one that's kind of like dropping very very slowly and if you counter enemies quick enough, uh, you'll actually be able to restore some of your health by like doing damage before that that okay. bar drops yeah, too far. Yeah. So it's you you get you're rewarded for staying aggressive with enemies, which is like completely the opposite of uh, of, of the Souls games.
2: Strike hard, strike fast.
1: right It kind of yes. yeah, I mean that kind of makes sense. Like you want to like if you're being attacked by these incredibly powerful enemies, like you want to make sure they're down. you want like it's encouraging you. It says, like, we want you to be aggressive, play dangerously. Where in some of those other games, where it's like, okay, you know, we know you're going to take your time. Maybe you should be careful.
2: Because it's funny yeah. you make yeah. that statement because you say, like, you want to make sure they're down. But let's be real, they ain't going to be down for a bit. <laughs> you're still going to be chipping. It's just, mm. they don't want you to breathe. That's <laughs> what it is. Like, yeah. it's one thing if you're like, okay, I'm going to stay back and kind of get their emotions down. But once you're in, it's very hard to get back out. Right. Like, they will chase you down? Yeah. Like, I remember there was one boss in the game. You might remember who it is, Chris. But you go down, you go to, like, just a dilapidated town. You go down some stairs through a graveyard. And you enter this room that's got a bunch of pillars in it. And this jerk is just dropping poison everywhere while you're fighting them. So, like, while you're fighting up close, they're just making you sick. So you're like, okay, I need a guy to take a chance. I need to step back. I'm getting too poisoned. And, uh... If you play with your it's friends, he's
3: Bloodstar Beast. I think was it's it? Bloodstar Beast. I can't remember. I think it's the third boss. I can't. I'm it's trying to remember, viral.
2: and I feel like yeah, that's the I'm... funny thing. Again, like if these were like narratively lined characters, we're like, okay, I have a story attached to this guy. It might be easier for us to remember who they are. But the Cleric Beast and Gascon are easy to remember because they were like the big wall characters for many of us. Um, yeah, but for this sure. guy, I just know him as Dripping Poison Monster. <laughs> he was a real <laughs> jerk. But it was oh, fun to man. finally win. Um, yeah, Bloodborne is great. I it's one of the games I can't recommend to everybody because of the unavoidable hurdle of difficulty. Mm. But if you have the stomach for it and you're okay with getting getting knocked down to get back up, there's a just a gem of a game in here that is worth your time. It's so
3: boss fun. design, the boss design is 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 s tier. I think it's better than than all of the other FromSofts. Mm. Souls ish games and just just so, so well. The art direction in the game is just amazing, too. Just that very Victorian, like uh, dark Victorian kind of.
2: The boss you uh, find on the lake? The moonlit graphic. lake? I don't even remember that boss's name, but that Rom- was another visual. It was wrong. Yeah, but the yeah. giant spider and you're fighting on a freaking lake. You're walking on the yeah. water, and the moon's shining down on top of it, and there's this giant freaking spider monster yeah. fighting you, and you're like, whoa, this is a beautiful. I, I, see, I feel so like
1: cryptic. That, that, that's what a lot of these difficult games do. They create stories, and there's a narrative in this game. You said earlier you don't remember it, or you don't know if there is. Like, No, what? there's
2: a narrative. I just They do narrative. this thing where they kind of like – most games, like you were talking about before, there's a story, and they want to push you through the story, so right, you walk right. into a room, and guy's like, hi, I'm Jim, the local blacksmith. Can you save <laughs> our town from that guy with a very long name? Right, This right. game is just like, you can walk into a place It's a bunch of dead bodies. You might see a document on the floor that has a lot of text you might not read. Yeah. And you might come across a character that you don't get to see because they're behind a door, but they talk to you like, help me find my mommy. And then you're just like, okay, well, I don't know who this kid is, but their mom's lost, so I guess I'll help them. Um, but bosses have names that tie back to narrative that you didn't get unless you were looking at the very, this
1: very okay. specific document. Well, that's good then. So, so I mean, to my point, still is like with a lot of like extremely difficult games, especially a lot of like older difficult games, where maybe there wasn't much of a narrative, or if, if there was, you really had to look for it, or mm-hmm. it was in the manual somewhere that no one had anymore because you rented it from oh, the Blockbuster. Yes. Like yeah. So, like, you're creating your own. You're creating your own story, like you guys are like talking about the battles and like where you were when you fought and like who you fought them with. Like, that wasn't scripted by a lot of that wasn't couldn't be scripted by the game developers. Like, that was that was you creating your own story out of the game. And I can you know? appreciate I that. that, makes a lot I of sense. That. Yeah, yeah,
2: because there are a yeah. lot of parts in those games where that's exactly it. Like, I can sit here and tell you the story about my first time adventuring to the woods where the freaking crazy people carrying the pitchforks and, not, and torches were chasing after looking for you basically yeah, 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 we're not telling the
1: story of bloodborne like you know mr guy bloodborne we're talking we're telling <laughs> the story bloodborne. of we're telling the story of pernell and chris playing bloodborne that's right sure. yeah yeah and, and i think it? that there's
3: like sorry to interrupt no, you, you have, go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. um there, there's also something to be said exactly what, what you're saying rob is i think that like with a lot of games like you know like the last of us and uncharted and you know a lot of like the, the very cinematic games you know like the the narrative is absolutely front and center but when you go back and talk to people, you know, that that played like, you know, Ghosts and Goblins or Buying a Commando or uh, these like really, really just tough as nails games, you know, the, the story is like what you're saying. It's like they remember like, oh, it's not about like what is happening in the game. It's like when they beat this like boss. Oh, I remember I was at the arcade, you know, I had a crowd of people and I beat it. wasn't about the game itself. It was about the experience they had with, you me. know, overcoming this obstacle that was like, you know, very, very difficult, you know?
2: Yes. And I feel like that way, even like with even within, too, I think it's funny, because a lot of people talked about how the game didn't really click with them like they wanted it to, and like they liked the first one better. But I played it on like hard difficulty, and when I was playing on hard, I was kind of doing this whole thing where I was like, I wouldn't let anything live. Everything had to die. But in a <laughs> game where resources were very limited, that meant I had to do a lot of stealth killing, which meant I spent, I want to say it took 37 hours to beat the game that most people probably beat in 20. Because I was like watching enemy patterns, trying to learn their routines, stealth stabbing jerks. Yeah, I game had game a game. whole, lay- I had the whole layout of the freaking world in my mind by the time I was. Yeah, done. I knew you, everything. You world were me.
1: playing as Pernell playing the game. Yeah. Absolutely, exactly. Yeah, set
2: so, traps for guys, everything. I was getting into right,
1: it. Let's play as Pernell playing the podcast. What's your next? <laughs> <track>? Yeah.
2: <laughs> Here's another game that drives me crazy, and I will never complete it because it taxes your brain in a way that few games do. This game is called Circa Infinity. The track is titled Ringed and is composed by Jack and Jim Fay. Welcome back. You are listening to Ringed for the game Circa Infinity, composed by Jack and Jim Fay. So, I feel like this game absolutely belongs on a Tough as Nails episode because uh, it wants you to suffer (laughs) while listening to great music in the process. Uh, How to describe Circa Infinity? Well, as a puzzler, not so much a platformer because you're not really jumping on platforms, but uh, think of a bullseye. You know, outer rim circles with different layers going deeper inward. You start on the complete outer rim of the bullseye, Mm -hmm. and your goal is to run around the outside so you can find a specific wedge that will allow you to jump into the circle. And once you jump into that wedge, you now have to run on the inside of that circle on the
1: outer rim. It zooms into another circle.
2: Yes. And you have to now jump to the next layer of the bullseye to run on the outside of that to jump into it jump on the next outer layer. If you're going from ring to ring to ring. First on the outside of the right. ring to the inside of the ring. And there's on
1: each part of the ring that you have to jump over or run under. Mm-hmm. And it is fast and hypnotic. Like yeah. It's usually like two or three colors, and it is just flashing over and over and over again at your eyes. Yes.
2: Hey. Wow.
3: Let it, me just say, don't don't just take Purnell's description. Go watch a video of this game being played, because... Yeah. The entire time this song has been playing, like Rob and I both pulled up videos of this and we can't look away. It's it like he said it's hypnotic. It's unlike anything I've ever seen in a video game before. It, it looks incredible. Like it's just like you get lost in it. It's just so so cool. I want to play this so bad now.
2: It's another case of I use this word a lot this episode, but it's a friggin masterpiece in puzzling. <laughs> and you get boss modes, eventually you get to a boss at the end of each set of levels, and the boss has his own like way you have to completely battle them, because mm-hmm. you can't fight back. You have to make them hurt themselves until they die. Um, but at some point there's like, a weird emotion to it, because you're not really killing the bosses. It's almost like they're a part of the main character's psyche, or mm-hmm. something. Like, they'll cry, they'll laugh, they do all kinds of stuff. Interesting. And, and, and you and keep it, going.
1: A game where there's not, like, doesn't seem like there's a lot of dialogue, and there's, and there's But not, there's still a story. And there's not a lot of like narrative told through Cutscenes or anything like that—it's all through the this gameplay. Mm-hmm. And then, what and is, is
3: it oh, on?
2: And so I played on the Switch, but it's also on Steam. I'm pretty sure it's on like Xbox and probably PlayStation as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. it's funny too because as much as I struggled getting through levels where you play as one character, uh, it was difficult. But I was able to eventually manage, it. and I got through like two or three worlds. And then I got to a world where you have to control two people at the exact same time which broke me. I was like, well, I could do this, but I was going through levels where I was completely without dying once. That was my goal, get through the entire stage without dying once. And you get a little award for doing that too. But once it became two people, it's possible, but I was like, I got I got to level up a little bit, so I got to step away for a minute. But yeah. it's so Con- cool.
1: controlling two characters. Oh my gosh. To controlling two characters with on 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 opposite sides of the of the, the of the circle, on different levels sometimes that's that's a lot for your, for the brain to manage.
2: It's um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a true challenge. And when you surmount it, it's not like a lot of games. It's like okay, here's another shooter. I won at. This is great, but I'm done. Where's the next shooter? This is my brain has leveled up.
1: It reminds <laughs> me a bit of I've watched a a, a playthrough of someone playing Ikaruga both planes at the same time. Holy Christ. I've
2: seen that.
3: Yeah. I, was, I, think, I think you shared that. I think I watched that video that you shared and that
1: blew my mind. I'm like, I can't barely get through the first stage of that darn game and there's this, someone's like, oh, I just memorized the whole thing. But like still, they just memorizing it, but just being able to play both at the
2: same time. It's kind of like Neither that. Even with the memory, though, it's like, being able to make sure that your hands don't cross, as dumb as this is going to sound, make sure your hands don't get cross signals yes. when the right-hand ship is on the left side of the screen. Yes. And your left That's what pop used to do to kill me. Like When I was getting good at pop music, which is all the notes falling down, hitting them to the beat, it was one thing to say, okay, left notes, left hand, right hand, right hand, notes, right hand. But once they start getting to the point where you have to start bringing your left hand to the right, right. your right hand to the left, and you're doing like these weird piano crossovers, something your brain starts to shatter because you're like, I can't make my right hand do <laughs> left things while the right hand is the left hand is doing yeah, the right things. Yeah, you're
1: playing the piano, right? It's, it's it's forcing you to like play
2: rhythm with one hand and melody with another hand and it's it's yeah, it's it, it's maddening, but you keep wanting to do it one more time. This time will be different. This time will be different. And also this game is good for that because when you die, it kicks you back one layer. And it immediately gets you going. There's no I like try that. again. It's just nope. You're in it. You're in so it. So that's a, you that, stop.
1: That's another thing we can talk about, um, and maybe talk about a little bit more in, in the next track. Is is uh, is losing in games? There's usually a punishment or some kind of like letting you know that you lost. You should try again in these games. Oh, I have a and, whole and, dialogue and, for that. And, and how do these games punish you? And how how has that evolved over the years? And I feel like that's a really good way because it kind of keeps you it's like it punishes you by pushing you back but it's also kind of like it's not a reward but it's saying you can kind of keep learning mm-hmm. you know and it wants you to keep learning and keep getting better and i feel like that's how it should be um, yeah so,
2: i was going to ask perno yeah.
3: if like i was like are you a 1cc guy and what i mean by that is yeah. uh, oh i know 1cc like of- baby i know 1cc well and yeah you like, do you impose restrictions on yourself you know to you, like, you don't actually beat a game until like you've overcome this certain restriction you've imposed, and like usually, like a lot of people with shmups will be like they haven't actually finished it until they have it one credit clear.
2: How about this? Rob really wants to move on to the next track. <laughs> I will right, 100 answer we that need to question. Talk about that. I will answer that question, right. and we will also talk about the. <laughs> thing that Rob was talking about. I'm ready. I got word. All right, baby. all
1: right. So the next game is Thousand and One Spikes. I put, I picked this game for now. Um This the music is by Rush Jet One. Oh, wait. This
2: is. Oh, we'll go. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: The Nanar Stage Five,
2: yeah. So I'm um, gonna okay. know the track when I hear it. Trust me.
1: Yeah, but Rushjet One, a um a, a stalwart in the uh, the the, the um, eight bit or not eight bit, but uh, you know uh, retro OST retro T yeah community. game community and ChipTune could not think of the word ChipTune.
2: <laughs> Potato ChipTune.
1: Gosh, I do a podcast anyway. This is Nanar Stage Five, thousand and one spikes. Uh, I played this a couple times. I've played this about a billion times, a thousand and one times maybe. Oh yeah. Um, here we go. We're back. We're listening to music from 1001 Spikes. This is Tower of Ninar by Rush Jet One. Thank you, Pranel, for that.
2: So the thing about it is, like, because Rob was like, this is stage five. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. Stage five of the Tower of Ninar, and I only know that because stage five of the main game I am extremely intimate with because, uh, I went to a party a few years ago up in Pennsylvania. It was a housewarming party for a friend, Joe from SML, and, uh, while we were all hanging out, Joe was showing off whatever video games he gets for Xbox. And I was like, oh, you got a thousand and one spikes, let me mess around with that for a little bit. So I booted it up. I was just playing it while everybody's having a party or whatever. And through playing this game, I became so obsessed with it that I stopped caring about the party. I didn't even care I was there. So I just kept going. And I was dying, dying and succeeding succeeding. And eventually, everyone at the party stopped what they were doing and watched me suffer. <laughs> as I pushed through the game and eventually I got to stage five and it helped me up quite a bit because the levels in stage five, you can look them up when you got a breather if you want. They get hard. But yes. I, I completed them. So, I completed so, the entire main game and then I realized yeah. they added a suck in the lock. I was like, "Oh, screw this. I ain't playing this game <laughs> right now. So 1001 spikes,
1: platforming, um, kind of like an 8-bitty type style. One hit kills. <laughs> One hit kill. There are spikes hidden everywhere. 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 So... Like, you walk across these, these floor tiles and, and, like, very, very subtly are different in a way that, like, the spikes will come up. And then, like, even the, the wall tiles are very, very subtly different in which they'll shoot spikes at you. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of a puzzle platformer in a way and that you're kind of, like, learning how to traverse these stages.
2: Yes, every level the goal is to explore and find the key to unlock the exit door and then reach the exit door. There's also golden skulls hitting on levels, which are like for unlockables or whatever. Right. But for the most part, find the key, find the exit, and you're trying to do it in as short a time as possible. Yeah. Sometimes in yeah. a span of like 20 seconds. And you have like a thousand and one lives to do it. You get a lot, <laughs> I, I'm having trouble remembering if it was 100% a thousand lives, but I know it's a stupid amount of lives. And I remember booting the game up and going, I'll never run out of lives. And then eventually I was like, oh crap, I better get some extra I'm lives.
3: That's how the pretty games start, too. You have, like, what? Like, 100 or... I don't remember how many lives. I think you have 1,000 lives. But you're just like, oh, I'll be totally fine. And then, like, you finish the first stage and you have, like, you know...
2: 700 like, left. Like, what no, the no, heck? No, no.
1: Yeah. Okay. Now, this is interesting. I want to get back to our previous topic, discussion topic. But this is interesting because we played games where after you die, it tells you how many times you've died. Oh, yeah. And you've gotten so mad at that. Right? Oh, so yeah. Like, you don't want to know because because you want to keep that number low. Mm-hmm. And once you get past double digits, you're like, ah.
2: Okay, so I'm going to answer failed. your first question. Failed. And then I'll answer Chris's because what you just said ties into the thing you mentioned about um, what makes a difficult game something you want to press on with. Like as far as like them punishing you for failure. Yeah. Like what are the methods? So my philosophy is a few things. One. Make it so that when you fail, you can get back to the challenge. Not, not necessarily instantly, though I'm not going to complain about that, but make it so that you don't have to waste hours of your life trying again. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of games in the present day have been coming really good at doing that. Saying like, Some games have gotten rid of lives entirely because yeah. their goal is to say, if it takes you a hundred tries, a thousand tries. We don't want you to feel like you're running out of time.
1: Now that's one of the things I loved as a kid about Ninja Gaiden on the NES, was like you had lives, but you had unlimited continues. it will take you back to the beginning of the stage, but you never got a game over that
2: you were like completely done. But therein lies the slight rub. I agree with you, except every Ninja Gaiden game had this stupid gimmick where at the last well, at level, the yeah, yeah, but that's why a lot of people never finish it because, well, like, they, exactly, get, they get used to the one thing. It's like, nope, take it
1: away from me. But, but up to that point, it's what sucks you back in. It's like I can just keep going. I'm not worried
2: about that structure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, um, sometimes unlimited lives. I genuinely loathe when games make sure to rub in your face how many times you die. I get that there's a <laughs> there's an element to that just says. Look how hard you worked. The game beat you this many times, but you got back up. What that says to me is, I died a thousand times. I don't want to see that. Just know I eventually succeeded. Leave me alone. Let me suffer in silence.
3: I love seeing that because it shows you
1: how much you persevered, though. Yes. Yeah, it's a badge of courage.
2: And that's true. Yeah. I, I agree with yeah. you guys, except my brain tells me someone did it less well, than this you is, did. This is something
1: that you brought up earlier, Chris, which was like um, it's kind of self imposed rules. Like you asked yeah. if we were a 1cc player. And I do have those and too. And I feel like that's something that Purnell kind of lives with. I, I'm very similar. If specific um, Bullet Hell shmup games, I do play. Like if I get to a continue screen, I don't continue. I go back from the beginning because I'm, sure. I'm playing for that score, you know? And um, and, if, and if Purnell were to see how many times he's died, he's like, no, 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 no. That means that I need to play perfectly. I need
2: to be better than this. You need I to can't be, be dying than this. this much. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting, too, because uh, I feel like I have an unexpected self-imposed thing, too. Like, for one, I will never play on easy mood. I have to play on at least the middle difficulty. And people will get on my case and say, well, yeah, but then you're not experiencing the game. I'm like, yeah, but at the same time, I want to feel... The sense of challenge that says I had to work in some fashion to accomplish the goal. And I get why easy exists, and I'm cool with people picking it for themselves.
1: uh, There's a a feeling, and there's a big dopamine hit of learning a new skill. Yes! Yeah, and a a, a good game, I feel like you can do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I really do feel that.
2: That's a big one. And then the second thing, and this is the only one I can think of beyond this, is I have an odd penchant for not using skill points in games until the game kind of makes me do it. Uh... There's no badge of honor for it. There's no trophy or achievement. It's just me being like, well, I don't need to use skill points yet, it's so why like, spend
1: it, them? It's like you're playing an RPG and you're leveling up, and you're like, I don't need that. Yeah. I don't need that until you tell me to.
2: And that's what makes that's what kicks my butt like man. a Dark Souls game because yeah. Dark Souls doesn't let you hoard anything. It's like either you use them or we're gonna take them from you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're out of luck. I, which know, means so you I, think, time. I
1: think that's a great design choice.
2: Oh, it is because like I spend you my skill points.
1: Force yourself on a path and learn the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. All right.
3: oh, and other thing is yeah. like lives and continues and everything. All of that stems from the arcade mentality of like, yeah. you. That's how you like got people to spend quarters. But the the thing that kind of sucked. I mean, like, I think it kind of sucked. Is that that kind of moved into console games, and you know, I guess for better or worse. But it's it's one of those things that I kind of wish had stayed in arcades, well, um, personally. Was- but I I get why, like, I get why people like them in there, but I I really, I definitely like games that, like, kind of just let you go at your own pace and not have to worry about lives and and continues. Well, a lot of older games,
2: I would think the reason they did it was because the games themselves, if you could continue infinitely and keep going, were ultimately fairly short, which reduced the life of the game in a console for a player. So, like, think of, say, uh, I don't. I'm trying to think of a game, but like, just think of like a classic NES game that you might have liked. That may have like five stages goblins. in it. Like
3: yeah, Ghosts and Goblins.
2: It goes and Goblins. Yeah, well, exactly. Ghosts and Goblins was just hard, period. But let's say Ghosts and Goblins wasn't particularly challenging as it is. Let's say it was like moderately challenging, as opposed to like pull your teeth out hard. Uh, if you had infinite continues and or infinite lives, you could brute force the game most likely, and it probably would take you no more than like an hour at the most to get through it. Through it. Two or... hours early on, if you're still learning the ropes. Keep in mind, hey, we're the... referring to infinite credits and stuff.
1: Also, keep in mind, you've probably rented this game, and uh, you want to hold it on for another day. <laughs> <laughs> or, and, yeah,
2: because like you want them to, they want, them to, they want you to basically come back and re-rent it, or eventually yeah. just buy it.
1: Also, the um the, the games that were popular at the time, like say like in the arcades, were platformers, mm-hmm. and like if you were really really good at them, then you could probably, if there was like no time limit, like how are they going to impose? um uh, restrictions around gameplay so that you would you would be encouraged or forced encouraged to spend more money to complete the game. Nintendo pulled it off and yeah. we hate them for it with their stupid play <laughs> choice ten machines. Yeah yeah they put they put like a that, that was like that's that is like the literal sense of here is a timer on the game and it shuts off when you're done. So you're for, not
3: rewarded. You're not rewarded for your skill. No you you're not, not rewarded for your skill. You're just paying You're rewarded
1: for your wallet. You're renting it, you're renting time
2: on the NES machine in an arcade. But one thing we used to do for fun, yeah. we would play, like Mike and I would play Ninja Gaiden 1. I think we did this, I think we did with you before too. I mentioned before. We put a quarter in, and the gimmick was to see how far you could get on Ninja Gaiden 1 on 25 or 50 cents before the timer kicked you out.
1: Yeah. And then eventually, it was like speed running like the first two stages, <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Because you
2: can't make any mistakes; you have to do it as quickly as you can in order to get to stage three before you run out of fifty cents. All right, we we are not speed running this podcast. We are no, no, we no, are no. Uh, we are turning down
1: this this uh, song, and we're getting into the bonus round.
2: Oh oh, bonus round! yeah, bonus, baby. The bonus round where we
1: play covers and arrangements and remixes on our theme. Chris, I think I cut you off. Did you have something you wanted to say, or I
3: was just going to clarify that. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: Sorry, that's
3: fine. <laughs> that when I was when I was talking about like, like not liking lives and continues, I don't like them in like overly complicated, like or, or very overly overly difficult games. Like I think that I like when like like something like Ghosts and Goblins. Like I hate. Having continues in Ghosts and Goblins, I like you know being able to learn the game at my pace because it's hard enough that it will push me back. Something like Mega Man, though, yeah, for sure. Like something that's like a little bit more moderately difficult. Like I'm all about like lives and everything continues and everything makes sense. But like the really difficult stuff, that's more like what I what I don't really like the the, the live and, and continue restrictions.
1: Yeah, I I feel like I got into Bullet Hell and shooters like in the arcades. Um, but probably because I worked at an arcade and the money wasn't an issue at the point <laughs> because I could just yeah. you know sit there after hours. But like now I don't think I would be into them as much as I am now because of emulation and I'm able to do save states at the beginning of every stage or at the beginning of every boss and I can learn the game that way. Yeah, because that's yeah. to
2: me, that's what makes it. I think it's probably what Chris was just saying, but that's what made that annoying to me was when I had to work to get to a point yeah. And then I ran out of continues in order to get back to that point to try to learn that space. It required hours of my time yeah. just to get like Blaster Master is notorious for that. Blaster yes. Master. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you go and watch Pernell and Matt play games, Blaster Master episodes, you will see the point where Matt just shuts down because we're running out of time. And it's like, okay, Ag, we got to beat this level, but they keep killing us and we have to do the whole level to get back. He's like, nope, save states. We're running out of time. I want to go to bed. (laughs) So it's like you see it happen in real time. It's ridiculous. But, yeah, that level of punishment disincentivizes you to try to learn the challenge because you don't want to waste your time doing the parts that you know affect the back of your hand.
1: These these playtesters, these QA playtesters were masochists and just assumed that, you know, seven, eight-year-old kids were also just as masochistic.
2: I just kind of assumed that (laughs) back then they probably gave him, Right, like, switches in the back of the game and say, we can just jump you to a level. Yeah, 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 yeah. So,
1: so not even realizing it, like, that they were already overcoming that <laughs> that issue that everyone ran up against.
3: Yeah. And then you have something like Gradius, which, like, punishes you in a different way oh, by, like, you know, like it pulls your power-ups you- out. And that's, like, you can give them infinite lives and infinite continues. You mentioned the
2: 1cc. Like- Gradius is 1cc. I kid you not. When I play... Any Gradius game. It has to be. The moment I die beyond stage two is over. I just stop because I can't get my power up back up to where I was again. Exactly. I was, uh, I
1: was playing around with um, a game idea, and it was an, it was a it was a, a kind of an overhead style, enter the Gungeon style shooting shooter game. But I wanted the power up system to be like Gradius, mm-hmm. and I quickly realized <laughs> that was going to be a pain in the butt. Yes, but <laughs> there's probably some other ways around that. So I'm I, I like balancing. Go. Yeah, tough I might go back to that idea. All right, so um Chris, why don't you start with your first um, bonus round track for us?
3: Uh this is actually speaking of of Ghost and Goblins uh recently. Uh this is from uh Makaimuda, which is the Japanese version of Ghost and Goblins. Uh and this is stage 1 and 2 and it is a remix done for the 30th anniversary Capcom album that came out I believe 9 8 or 9 years ago. Something like that, but amazing, amazing remix.
1: That was the ground background music stage one and two from Ghouls and Ghosts remixed by IO Sis.
2: AKA the only stage track most Ghosts and Goblins players have ever heard.
1: It's really this was this was a lot. This there was, it was first like like the original melodies and and sounds were still really prominent, yet it was so frantic and frenetic. It gives you that um, the idea of, of the feeling of playing the game. Still, this is a really good one.
3: Oh, it's amazing. One of the greatest, the greatest video game remixes of, of all time. I would I would say it's in my top top ten easily of all time arrangements. So
2: hey, I'm not going to dispute I, it. It's a gem. This I is- just love it.
3: It just keeps it keeps like it's so interesting. There's like the little flamenco guitar intro and outro, yeah. and then there's like the little piano orchestral part, and then there's like a guitar solo in the middle. And there's like the cutaway to like the the original Famicom track, and then they build on that. It's just such an amazing uh, remix.
1: Yeah, because, because it was IOSYS, I was like, okay, I know what's I know what's gonna come up. But the fact that it started with the guitars, I was like, wait a minute, what's yeah, this gonna same, be? Well, uh, yeah, yeah. And then
2: when the it comes, like, well, there they are. There it is. <laughs> there
1: they are. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Pernod, what do you have for us
2: today? All right, so I ended up picking a track that ties into a recent quote-unquote game challenge that's taking place right this moment um, between myself and the wise guy, um, Chris Wisner. This comes from the game Landstalker, the treasure of King Noel, and this is a saxophone cover of the track Bustling Street covered by Amigoigo Sax. <laughs>
3: all the time. Here we Welcome go. Uh-uh.
2: Here we go. You listen to Buff Street <laughs> cover from the Game Land Stalker, The Treasure of King. No, none of that made any rhythmic sense, but I don't care. It was a cover by I Amigoigo mean, Sax. Um, this is... Nailed I it. I love, 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 love Land Stalker. It is one of my all-time favorite games in existence, and it has earned itself a reputation for being a brutally difficult puzzle platformer adventure game, and... It's interesting because I played through it when I was a teenager on the Sega channel and loved it very much. was amazing that I was able to complete it. It was a satisfying, clear. But uh, recently on a few episodes ago, um, no, it wasn't episodes. It was like Chris, the wise guy, had brought up potentially revisiting Landstalker. I don't even remember why. Maybe because I brought up on the show. And I pushed him. I was like, you know what? No, you're doing it. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. And now he's actually playing through it again. And on due to the fact that he started playing it again, I also started playing it again and I've become obsessed with it to the point where I've actually kind of kicked other projects aside. (laughs) Sorry, reviews. Um, But uh, How how dare I, but I've been having such a good time with it. And it also is interesting because I'm not having as much trouble as I remember having with the game. Like, I deep down believe that the last dungeon, which I also believe is probably like the last quarter of the game because it's a large dungeon, hmm. um, I feel like that's where the majority of the difficulty comes into play, and that's where I'm going to go, this is where frustrated me. But I've been doing pretty good. I've been tackling it. Yes, I have used some save states here and there, but they're more of a time-saving mechanism at this point than my not.
3: My God. Cheater. Cheater. Fake no. hey, gamer.
2: People can say whatever they want, but at the end of the day, I beat the game back when there wasn't save states, so I don't care. I, well, I I've heard the word fake I don't know if I gamer, believe you. And I look it up You the don't have to. There's a picture
1: of Purnell next to the word fake gamer. That's
2: right. Just beating his chest. Bunga <laughs> bunga. Unga bunga. Uh-huh. Like, I can't believe you, man. But, like, yeah, I'm not even ashamed of it. I did, <laughs> I, I did my time. I did my time. Uh. Because... This is one of those games where, like, what they'll do is they'll have you jump across a bunch of, uh, like, platforms, right? And they're all hovering. You got to deal with that that diagonal control. And if you miss the jump, you drop into a pit with spikes and monsters. You have to run all the way back yeah. through the pit of spikes so, and monsters, climb a ladder, and do it all over again. Isometric style gaming with
1: platforming is it's is a lot. brutal. It's tough. Yeah, it's a lot.
2: And
3: I I, it to what, what kind of what other game? Uh,
2: therein lies the rub maybe a lunder for folks who played that because oh, okay. this was a lundra was made by the guys who made this mm. um but a lundra would be a direct comparison uh, aside from that i am kind of challenged because i kind of feel like a lundra and this are fairly unique in that sphere like someone might say zelda but zelda didn't have platforming zelda was very much walk and do things so mm. that alone makes these games different enough that i don't think they get a direct comparison like
3: platforming that. in the Game Boy one with the feather.
2: Yeah, but you know, the I wasn't, well, it wasn't. Generally not though. Yes. It was like the right item you had to Maybe use. Use. that's why
1: these are so unique because people didn't want to do platforming in the isometric style. Oh yeah.
2: Sure. But, uh, right. but I'm perfectly cool like, with well, it. When the game, when the game yeah. works, like when you got this mum this, um, this OST, and you have the graphical style they used, yeah. and you have that sense of discovery when you find a treasure chest and go, you got one icky icky. Um it just feels it feels rewarding, and it makes you want to press a, whoa, a new sword. I'm going to use that sword. A, a chrome bust. I'm going to use that. Um, it just You feel great when you discover things. You unlock that next door. You find that next puzzle solution. It feels freaking good. And that makes you want to discover the next puzzle well, and move onward.
1: Yeah, Takenuichi on the Sega Genesis was is a fantastic, fantastic composer. Yes, he was. All right, so my, my bonus round track is, a, is going off in another direction. We've had all styles of music this episode. This is an original track, but it was licensed for Jet Set Radio. Jet, Jet Set Radio, radio. for me- Still, one of one of, very, very difficult game in place. Game Zombie, Depends, Dragula.
2: Well, what did you play? Depends so which version <laughs> of it did you play. That makes a no, huge uh, This is
1: Jurassic 5. Yeah, that's true, but no, no. My I'll, I'll, I'll put it right now. This I I was thinking about difficult games. I
2: immediately thought of Grind Square. Okay, so the U.S. version, yeah, Grind Square was rough with the helicopters yeah. and hearing Dragula in that one track by Cook. Kuk- yeah, just
1: got. Wicked. so but i didn't play i don't want to play any of those tracks i want to play uh, about the city by the reps i
0: want my to see the- Listen to the music you rock, you rock, you rock, Yes Not bad I don't think they're bad Even if some t-
1: Right, that was About the Town, or About the City? About, about the, town? the About the City from uh, Jet Set Radio <laughs> by the Reps. What is it? Not bad. I you know, don't it's think Deb you reminded me. So, Grind Square was in Jet Set Radio was only the US, only game. the US version. Yes. Oh, yeah. that, that makes sense then. All
2: right. So, or was it Western versions? The West? Well, maybe. Yeah. Let's go with Western because maybe Europe got it or something. Yeah, I was going
3: to say I think Europe maybe got it too. Well, we're
1: in
2: America, and then the world revolves
1: around us. No, it doesn't. So that's that's, that's, that's for us. <laughs> um, but
2: man, it was like once that game.
1: that game is really meant to be like not vertical. It's meant to be like in a in a, in a horizontal, an X and Y axis. You're supposed to explore these cities. You know, maybe going up and down hills. But then once it goes up the Z axis and you're going vertical in this game,
2: it is incredibly challenging. And that's when they start introducing the helicopters that fire missiles at you while you're grinding across the lines. Yes. It I mean PTSD. It, once you get it
1: once you get it, it's amazing and it looks really cool. And it's a great set piece to the game, but
2: holy moly. The funny part well, though, like you're mentioning was grind square for me, the two things that gave me the most grief, though grind square was tough. Um and the, in the, in the burned version of the game, the perfect grind poison jam on their, on their challenge course, yeah, that was yeah. brutal. We've
1: definitely
3: oh, that about. was mean.
2: And then the non-burned version of the game was when you start dealing with the chief and he's firing tear gas at you, mm-hmm. when he revisits the level with yeah, the park yeah. and the sewer line. Oh, my God, tear gas gave me so much grief in that game. And, of course, then just that future is like combat made people frustrated, so let's take it away. And I was like, "No, put it back." Yeah,
1: I thought I mean, the whole game. The whole game was interesting. The, the 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 controls were challenging in a very new way. I was watching some uh, gameplay of the original Dreamcast version, and the graphics are still so cool. They hold up. They're so cool because, like. They're just colorful, they're bright, and they weren't trying to to overcome any, like, realistic realism obstacles. They're, and I got to say, so much fun. Yeah. is it just me or was
2: the tension in that game, like, for a game being about tagging walls, yeah. there was a lot of tension in a scenario where you're throwing a long tag and the game would kind of pan the camera when dogs were running at you, like, okay, hurry <laughs> yeah. up, finish the tag! the Dogs <laughs> are coming! Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the cops are coming at you, and you're like, I gotta go, <laughs> gotta go! Can I finish the tag, or I gotta drop it and run? Yeah, because it, if you do the whole tag, you get more points. Yeah, for it. it
1: really created like a, a lot of a lot of good moments, a lot of fun tension. This is, I mean, it's just a uh, it's a it's a classic game that everyone remembers for for a good reason. It's the
2: fact know? it's things like that that makes you wonder why it hasn't been revisited. Like this is one of those games that again. Nothing's come out like it. The closest thing we've got is like freaking Bomb Rush Cyberfunk, which has been in development limbo for years at this point. Yeah. Like, no one's done this. And where is it? <laughs> <laughs> something like it needs to come back. So if Cyberpunk ever does happen, I'm going to be day one that unless it just comes up to like terrible controls or something. But
3: who knows? Did you play the sequel? Did you, either of you guys play oh, Future? Future?
2: Oh, I bought a, I bought an Xbox specifically because of Future. I went uh, to visit a friend in Virginia yeah. She had it. I helped her beat freaking the Love Shockers challenge level because she was stuck there, and I was like, let me play this game. Oh, this is so great. Let me help you out. Let me beat this level for you. And then I went home and immediately bought an Xbox and that game and Gun Valkyrie. Yeah, after the Dreamcast and PS2, I skipped a
1: bunch of... I skipped a bunch of generations of video games. So I never got around to playing this one.
2: And this I, one... I still think
3: Feature's go good. I, I, I don't think it's as good as the original. I think there's something missing from it. I still think it's a great game. Like I'm not taking anything away from I it. I feel
2: like the tension but, is what was missing primarily.
3: Yeah, I, there was just... I, I don't know. I couldn't put my finger on it when I was playing it the whole time. But it's very... It's I guess it's less based on tagging and more of just like the actual skating.
2: It's more the, the skating. Because remember in the original game, it was the combination of having to input the tags and evade the lull that yeah. added that extra bit of oof. whereas Future was like, we're going to put tag spots in crazy places and you have to get there, but there's nothing to stop you from doing that
4: mm.
2: because all the combat was restricted to arenas. So you get in an arena, you just gotta beat guys and then move yeah, on. That's
1: right. So in Jet Set Radio, like all of the all of the grinding and jumping and traversing of the stage was given to you not just to get to those hard to reach places, but it was given to you to evade
2: yes. the cops and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And take a slower pace team. Yeah. Slower pace team. And so when you take all that away, what you get from Jet Set Future is essentially a collect the phone.
4: Mm.
2: But the collecting yeah. is tag spots. Yeah, that's that's a shame. Yeah. Uh, that's and a, it's still, still fun. It's still, it's still fun. Still <laughs> fun. Yeah. And the music is stellar. <laughs> it's just i it's liked... not the original Jetson. Oh man,
1: I'm getting all, I'm looking at my I have my Dreamcast sitting there on my speakers. I'm just staring at it. I'm remembering there was a, you can create your own tag in the game. Mm-hmm. And it was yeah. really, like it was really, really um in depth. Like you put letters in and, and, and shift them and move them around.
2: I feel like in the yeah. modern age, that would be even better because the problem with making tags in those jet set games was that they were still just your game worlds. But in the modern game, yeah, era, you can, you can, share you can have it. an yeah. online jet set with a challenges or whatever and put the cops back in. Everyone's dodging the cops and trying to get the most tags okay. out there. Okay. That you know would be freaking fun. A, 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 yeah. Uh,
1: a, a Battle Royale jet set game wouldn't be the worst thing.
2: It would be the best that'd thing. That would be kind of fun. Because the battle would literally be <laughs> out-tagging your opponents while there's opposition on the screen. And the better one-tagger does, the more the law starts to chase them Yeah, because they become yeah. notorious. Oh, that's like, fun. There are game ideas for this that Sega's dropping. And, pff, freaking Sega, man. I don't know. Well, anyway, for more
1: information on our bonus <laughs> round, go to rhythmandpixels.com
2: to hear Purnell rant yeah, about yeah, Sega. Yeah. We'll have, we'll
1: have
3: also, more. Also, yeah. there is a rumor that it is being remade. There's been a rumor uh, earlier oh. this year that it and Crazy Taxi are both receiving uh, reboots. Oh, so I want that. To
1: Sega happen. wants that crazy money.
3: Crazy money. Crazy money.
1: Crazy money.
2: Coming soon to theaters. We've got <laughs> old man Rob. Oh, thanks. Thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I realized how weird that sounded when I said that. I, I want to look older. Uh, <laughs>
2: <That'd be> strange. <laughs>
0: that strange.
2: I I just don't want to look like a baby. You know, that's. that's uh, well, you're not like a baby. You don't you look, look like a baby, baby, Rob. There's no way you can look like a baby at this point. You could be in your <laughs> 20s. You'd have a 20s look. It would be great. Okay. All right. Let's not talk about it's me Chris anymore. <laughs> I don't even know what to say about this. <laughs> They're coming.
1: Everyone, thanks for listening to episode thirty five one of Rhythm and Pixels. This is the the difficult games challenge with Chris Baines. Tough as nails. Not, not not a difficult podcast though. Not a difficult podcast at all. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, enjoyable.
2: I'm gonna lose sleep and it was worth it.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Chris, for coming on the show and and, and sharing, sharing this, uh sharing your, your game culture with us. It's it's great. Yeah, thanks for having me. You're always time. welcome. You know that, man. Definitely.
2: But, like, out of curiosity, before we go to the final wrap-up, absolutely, you think of any... Either of you for that matter. Can you think of any particularly challenging games, past, present, or future? Well, maybe not so much future. That you haven't gotten around to that you want to, or that you've tried and, was like, screw this, I like quit, but it was still a fun attempt.
3: Right, I want to play... And I feel horrible admitting that I haven't played this game as such a giant shmup fan. I want to go back and play R-Type Delta. I've never played it. It has been on my list forever. Uh, I've never owned it. And so many people have told me it's amazing. So that is one game I would like to go back in and actually play and, and finish.
2: Nice.
1: Um, I keep going back to The Witness. You know, I can't... There's no music in that game to play for the show. but um, <laughs> that I, game.
2: It's just... You can play your cries of oh, agony it's over just record. So
1: so hard, um, that and then also you know once I once I get once I, once I do eventually get a switch, which will eventually happen when it's whenever the next switch version, next Nintendo console comes out and switch gets like really cheap. You get the class. That's when I'll get the switch. Um, yeah. So Baba is you is the next one. Baba is you. Yeah. Because these are like yeah, those are two really challenging games. Like I always keep going back to the Witness. I'm like, oh maybe I'll figure it out again, and I solve a few puzzles and I feel really smart. And then I get stuck. It makes me wonder if someone's
2: come yeah. up with a parody game called the Witless. The Witless.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's. I feel like my like I feel like in times my my brain is expanding, and then other times that I'm just like a like a like a little baby child. <laughs> Can't play <laughs> video games anymore.
2: Just let your beard grow. You'll be good. <laughs> no one you wants. To, no, no, <laughs> that's not going to happen. Not
1: going to do it. <laughs> Never going to grow
0: <laughs> my beard again.
1: Oh, before we head out, um, Chris, can you uh, let our listeners know how they can find you and what you're doing on the internet so they can enjoy it?
3: Uh, You can find me on YouTube as Chris, the letter B, CRISPs, C R I S P S that is what uh that is what the the name people used to call me to make fun of me back in elementary school oh i was oh,
1: own that i kind of wonder where that came I, from
3: <laughs> yeah yeah they called me crispy crisps back in uh, like in first or second grade on the playground they would like make fun of my name but Makes I, you I embraced it
2: not it make you wonder back then they give you that kind of thing you're like oh this hurts i hate this and then you're like later on you're like why was i upset with that
3: <laughs> i kind of dig it yeah it's one of those like i'm i'm embracing it um <laughs> But yeah, you can find me on YouTube. Uh, you can just search, uh, type in youtube.com/slash crispy crisps, or uh, do a search for it. Uh, I have—I don't know when this is coming out. I don't know when this episode is releasing. The fifteenth. But on the fifteenth. Okay, so this will already be out. Sixteenth. Uh, uh, Sixteenth.
1: 16. 16.
3: Still, it'll <laughs> still be out. Uh, on the eleventh. Uh, this Friday, uh, the—I guess—last Friday for those listening. Uh, the history of Star Fox, the first part, it is actually a two part series. It's going to be about two hours long total, but the first uh, the first episode will be out this Friday on my channel. And if you're curious to learn about um, the history of the entire series, uh, from uh, it covers from the 1982 so formation of Argonaut Software all the way up through Star Fox 64. Wow. And then the next video will be adventures through uh, Zero and then a lot of like the fan games AKA and stuff like that. AKA,
2: what happened to Star Fox? <laughs>
3: Pretty much. It's actually very fascinating. Like I, the games might not be like amazing, but the stories behind like how they were created and how they came to be, honestly, are almost more fascinating than like the older ones. If, oh, absolutely. Because it always so makes it, you
2: wonder. Like something that seems like a proven formula just is dramatic shit. You do want to know why, and your show would absolutely go all in on like. Why did they make this dramatic shift right. from what was a successful formula? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah.
1: Just that stuff really fascinates me, which is why it's I really, great. I really enjoy your, your videos. They're really great. I really yeah. But
3: that look out for that. That'll be out on the 11th, uh, the first part at least, and then the second part should be out by like late December, early January, hopefully. But
1: Ooh. can we get uh, it for Christmas? Can we get it for Christmas? Wrap it I want up. to finish it before <laughs>
2: Christmas so I can relax. <laughs> I want to for, so ho- for the holiday. I want it'll to be your uh, Christmas yeah. present for yourself.
1: I want to clock exactly. out of work and then load up the video. <laughs> that's what I want. <laughs>
3: exactly. But that's where you can find me. And I'm also on Twitter uh, at Crispy Crisps. If uh, Twitter's still standing by the time you hear this, <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Just don't,
2: just don't change the name of your account, and you'll be safe. <laughs> it'll be there, but exactly. it'll be it'll be completely oh, different. There will be
1: no check mark by my name. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Sorry to say. Yeah, none of us have those. I think I don't think either. I don't think any of us care too much about the check marks. Exactly. So, yeah. Anyone could
2: be Purnell, then what?
1: Yeah. You have to like typical oh, no. games too, I guess. Sucker. Yeah, I guess there's plenty of Pernells <laughs> out there. So, um anyway, if you want to get in contact with us, if you have a, a track suggestion or a topic suggestion or or any kind of suggestion or if you just want to say hello, the best way to get in contact with the podcast is through our email,
2: rhythm and, Pixels at hotmail.com. and
1: for a full track listing of this episode and access to all of our episodes, please go to our website, rhythmandpixels.com. We have a Discord server that is there's a linked at the top of that website. And we also have a 24-7 8-bit and 16-bit radio station that used to be on YouTube, but right now is on Twitch, twitch.tv slash rhythmandpixels. So if you want to just listen to some tunes and every once in a while, Pernell says, you're listening to Rhythm and Pixels. I do. Sounds like sounds like that. <laughs> Every time. Um, yeah, uh, you can check it out there. Twitch.tv slash Rhythm and Pixels. Uh, we also upload the show on YouTube. And if you want to support the show, uh, you can um, go to the website. There's like some cool merch there. We have like some fun t-shirts related to the podcast, fun t-shirts related to just game music in general. Yes, your You can also go to Patreon, patreon.com slash Rhythm and Pixels. And as a member there of any level, you get access to monthly live stream shows. Uh, we're going to have a live stream show probably at the, the last week of this month, maybe after Thanksgiving for our North American listeners. And um, probably the next week is going to be another live show. But for everybody, which will be our end of the year kind of review blowout. Yeah, that's going to be a challenge this year. We pick our top some. 10 tracks, maybe. Mm-hmm. From the year. Yeah, for the whole year. It's it's going to be tough to choose, but it'll be a good time. That'll be a, that'll be a free live stream. Um, also, as a member of Patreon at other at the higher tiers, you get cool stuff like stickers, and there's mugs, and there's exclusive t-shirts. And there's some fun stuff you can do with the radio station as well. You can put your own promos in there or any advertisements that you want in there. We'll just pop them in there. Um, we also like to thank all of our Patreon members who were at the highest levels at the end of every episode. Let's first want to thank Brooke, Frankly Zappa, and Khalid. Thank the three of you very, very much for supporting our show. It, it means a huge, huge, huge deal to me and Purnell. Greatly appreciate Um We want to thank uh, the user number one. We're gonna number call we're gonna call them uh, call them user one. Not number one. N- number one. So I want to thank number one. Uh, Kristen, GameFan44, thank you to Martyrus, host of the ReVGM podcast we had on last week. Mm-hmm. Awesome guy. Uh, thank you to Mike Myers, congratulations. congratulations. Thank you to Alf Person. Thank you, vashin 8060 Alex Messenger, host of the AVGM Journey, Brian Pitt, Cameron Worma, Carlos, Kung Fu Carlito, uh, co-host of the Heroes 3 podcast. Thank you to Chris Wisner, a.k.a. Musashi219. The wise guy. Keep on moving, buddy. Yeah, keep keep getting through that game. Uh, thank you to Christopher Shenstrom, Chuck Kowalski, Davey Cakes, David Taylor, Enchilada Brigol, Harold Howard, Triple Jeff, Justin Schneider, host of XVGM Radio, Keith Schusterman, Dr. Michael Bridgewater, uh, Rage Cage, host of the VGM Emporium podcast, a fantastic show. Uh, thank you to Reinhard Zilkova, Sleepy S'more, Steve Miller, Taco, Ed Wilston, host of the VG Embassy, our podcast father, and Zach Thornbach.
2: Thank you very much, everyone.
1: Yeah, thank all of you and many, many more for your support of our show. Uh, just a dollar a month feeds a hungry Purnell. I K- get so hungry Campbell soup. <laughs> 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 um, so yeah, that's 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 the end of our show. Um, and uh, I, I don't know if we have it on the docket for next week. Um, and we, also with Thanksgiving coming up, I think we have to uh, kind of move some schedules around. Yeah, but we'll, we'll figure that
2: out. Yeah, or just like a, 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 a uh, I don't know. I
1: a, got a gluttony mixtape. I got sixteen people coming into this house, um. So not even the day before is right out. There you go. <laughs> the the, the
2: <laughs> mixtape can be giving the tracks to dedicate to people. We give thanks to. I'll them.
1: bring everybody. I'll bring my whole family downstairs, and they'll will record like. with us. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, read the, this show we're getting dragged into. How much wine is left?
1: Yeah, it's gonna be. Yeah, that's not actually a good idea <laughs> no, I think about it. Um, so thank you again, Chris, for 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 hanging out with us for so long tonight. It's been it's been a blast. Thanks for having me. You're always welcome. It was a pleasure, friend. Yeah. Well, everyone, thank you very much for listening to the show, Rhythm and Pixels.
2: My name is Rob Nichols, and I'm Purnell. Have a great week. And remember, this whole episode was about difficult games. Difficulty doesn't have to be hard mode. Difficulty is just what's difficult for you. But the overall idea and the reason behind refer- referencing this is to say. Maybe, especially in games where they like to change difficulty in the middle of the game if it's a little bit too much for you, maybe every once in a while kind of push the envelope a little beyond your comfort zone just to see how you handle it, how you muster up. Because even though sometimes the general, you know, impressions that you want to get through the game as quickly as possible to move on to the next big franchise or you just want the least resistance possible, there is a dopamine hit that does come from taking on a challenge and overcoming it. And... I'll be honest with you, when it's a challenge that's not tethered to your life, there's <laughs> a lot less stress involved when the challenge isn't putting food on your family's table. <laughs> it is more about just saving this saving this village by defeating a monster with 500 more hit points than he would have had before. I don't know. Um, just try. Do more. Give it a shot. And just know that if it comes down to it, you always give it back.